Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is Pastor Winfred Burns, and you are live with the Word on Wednesday. We bless God for you tonight. Um, I was just looking over at this computer. It's at a bad angle. I got to change this angle real quick so I can see what I'm doing. There we go. Um, we bless the Lord for you tonight as we begin our Bible study. We are picking up where we left off last week. Uh, we will start tonight at Acts chapter 19, verse 21. And one of the things that we want to just review with you real briefly is that Paul has been at Ephesus now for about two years where he has been preaching and he's been teaching. Uh, he is making disciples, which is the work of the church. It's not just to spread the good news about Jesus, but it is to baptize and to make disciples. And in the earlier part of Acts chapter 19, we see all of this happening. Remember, um, when, when we open up Acts chapter 19, Paul asked the question, Receive you the Holy Ghost after you believed. And they said, We don't know if it's such a thing as the Holy Ghost. And then uh, after he ministered them properly and baptizes, baptizes them, they received the Holy Spirit. The second thing that we want to, that we saw in Acts chapter 19 is that, you know, there are counterfeits out there. And we ran into the seven sons of Sceva and how they, um, how they went out to try and tried to evoke the name of Jesus. And the demon said, you know what, uh, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but I don't know who you are. And they, and they, they just beat them up. Just, they just got beat up. And what we saw there and what we learned last week was, you know, how to persevere and how we have the authority of Jesus Christ how we need to understand the need that when we're baptized into Jesus, that we represent him and that we have his authority, that we're operating in his authority. And so we continue to press through. So tonight we'll begin our study at um, Acts chapter 19, verse 21, and we'll go from there. But let's have a word of prayer before we start. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. God, we come to bless you, to praise you, spend time with you. But we don't want to just be faking you, God, because we come to receive from you. God, we ask tonight that you would feed us from on high. Feed us till we want no more. God, we know that you are not a God who, if we ask for bread, that you'll give us a stone, but God, that you will feed your children. And tonight we're in dire need of spiritual sustenance. 
We've been going places and hearing things that might that tickle our ear, but they don't stick to our ribs. God, we've been getting a lot of candy and we've been get, receiving a lot of promises that you've got nothing to do with. And people have been trying to 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 get us to do things for them in your name, and you haven't told us to do anything. So, God, we come tonight to hear from you. Help us, oh God. Help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to us individually and collectively. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Acts chapter 19, verse 21. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Acacia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. Now let me stop right there just so I can set this up for you real good. So Paul is determined now. He's been in Ephesus, which is in Asia, by the way. Uh, it's in the lower part. It's in the north, or excuse me, the south west corner of what is now modern-day Turkey. That's where Ephesus is located at. He's been in that region, and he's been preaching and teaching for the past two years. He's been discipling those who come to God. And, you know, if you look up, um, you'll see that it says in verse 18, it says, also many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. This is when they burned all the books because, you know, he exposed that the magicians were frauds and all that kind of stuff. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So what we see here is that Paul is having their success, he's having success in ministry, and now they're, in, they're still in Ephesus, and Paul is getting ready to leave Ephesus, and it's important that we understand, and I'll, I'll show you some things about what's going on in Ephesus uh, because of the impact of Paul and Paul's teaching that makes all hell break loose. But anyway, so he decides that he's going to go back through Macedonia. Now remember, Macedonia is northern Greece. He's down in the southern part of Turkey. So what he's going to do is he's going to go back up through. It doesn't say that he's going to go over into Galatia where, um, uh, where, where his first missionary journey took him through. But instead, he's going to go back up into the region where uh, there's Philippi and there's Thessalonica and there's Berea. So what it sounds like he's getting ready to do is he's getting ready to go back and revisit those churches so he can strengthen them, so he can, you know, see how they're doing. And then after that, he's going to come back down and go to Acacia. And so, again, churches that he planted in um, the, um, the central part of Turkey, those churches that he planted over there, um, Iconium and all of those, 
he's going to go through there on his way back to Jerusalem. And I want you to catch something else, too, because he speaks very prophetically, even though he doesn't know what he's, what he's saying at this point in time. But he says, I want to go back to Macedonia and Acacia and, to, and then go to Jerusalem, and then after that, I must see Rome. Pay attention to that, because when we get into 20 and 20, chapters 20 and 21, you'll see how his words, his prophetic words, uh, mirror what's going to happen with him and where he's going. Okay, verse 23. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he, he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods, and there is danger not on, and, and there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. So what's going on here? There's a conflict now that has arisen because of the preaching of the gospel. The gospel has advanced so much that now it is beginning to impact the trade, uh, the, the trade of the silversmiths and those who make the temple gods. Let's pause for a second and understand who Artemis was. Now, Artemis is the goddess of the earth, according to the Ephesians. In Ephesians, Ephesians is the capital of Asia, and in Ephesus, there is, there is a temple that is considered one of the seven wonders of the world, and it is called the Temple of Diana. Now, we wonder, well, why are they calling it the Temple of Diana and not the Temple of Artemis? It's the same thing. Diana is the Latinized Greek name that is used to represent Artemis. And Artemis is, again, she is the goddess of nature. She is the goddess that, that supposedly controls all of the things that go on in the earth. Can you see this conflict? Can you see that here, here is Paul preaching Yahweh as the true and living God. And not only Yahweh, but that Jesus, the Son of God, gives salvation because he died for the sins of the world, and that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that sins were forgiven. You see, he's preaching this, and there... Are uh, the silversmiths and the tradesmen who basically 
represent Diana because this is how they make their money, producing um, the, these little these little images that the people would take home and they would use them in their worship, their, their worship of, of the God. And so this was going on throughout all of Asia, and I'm sure they saw a decline in business, and in seeing the decline in business, they said, wait a minute, if this thing continues to spread, our business is going to be messed up, but not only our business, but also the temple, everything is going to uh, implode around us. What you're attacking here, what, what Paul is attacking, according to them, is their belief system. You see, when we, when we witness, when we witness, we have to be aware of the fact that before people can believe, uh, let me say it a different way. Before they came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, they believed something else. And when someone comes along with another doctrine and you try to put, push that doctrine or you push your beliefs on somebody, what you're doing is you're attacking their belief system. And so this is what happens when we spread the gospel. When we spread the gospel, what we're saying is that what we believe makes more sense than what you currently believe right now. And to put it a, a better way, um, our understanding of the world and God is more rational than yours. It's more logical than yours. Ours makes logical sense, and yours does not, because here's the flaw. That's what happens, you know, at any time you begin to challenge someone, someone's belief system, what you wind up experiencing is this. You wind up with a fight. You wind up with all hell breaking loose, and that's what happens in this segment of chapter 19, that all hell is about to break loose. And watch this. It says, I'm at verse uh, 28. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another. For the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew 
for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Now, let me back up a little bit for you. So what's happened here? So they, they, get, they just start a riot. They all gather together, and they grab two of Paul's traveling companions, uh, Gaius and Aristatius. And now think about this for a second. Now these, peop- these men are outsiders. They are not from Ephesus. They are from Macedonia. Macedonia, if you want to, if you want to find it right now, it's uh, northern Greece for all intents and purposes. So they're from another region. They're from another location. But they are the ones that are, 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 um, how do I want to put it? They are the ones that are identified with the doctrine of the way. And that's what they call Christianity at that time, the, the, the way. And it is the way of life. Now, when they drag them into the theater, there's about to be a stoning fall, uh, at this point in time. And then what happens is that Paul wants to, come in and he wants to speak to them. And you see this word, Asiarch. These are some important officials from Asia, from Asia. And remember now, Asia is identified today as uh, southwestern Turkey. So these are some important officials from the region that they're in right now. And they urge Paul, Paul, don't go in there. Don't go in there. And this is important. And then the Jews, since the Jews are hooked up in this thing now, they want to speak out because, again, even though the Jews are having problems with Christianity, they still believe in the same God that the Christians believe in. They don't accept Jesus as his son, but they still believe in the same God. And so now it's the God of the Jews versus the God of the Ephesians. And the Jews are going to step up, and and the Ephesians basically say, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it at all. So let me keep going. It says, verse 35, and when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Let me stop right there. The birth of Artemis, or Artemis, however you want to pronounce it, I, I, you know, me, me and my southern brogue, we'll mess it up every time. The birth is, was considered uh, to have happened when this great piece of wood in her form fell from the sky. That's the legend that is created around Artemis. And when she, when the stone fell from the sky, and it was, they said, it was, they call it a stone, but actually what it was like, it was a, like a piece of ebony wood that fell from the sky. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that surround her. They, some say that she, uh, she is the founder of the Amazons, and that the Amazon women were, were um, from this region. There's a whole lot of stuff, but for our purposes, all we need to do is identify um, who she was in history. 
That's all, that's all we need to do tonight. There's so much more that you can see there. Um, but he says, the sacred stone that fell from the sky, verse 36, seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. Why does he say that? Because this is part of the Roman Empire. And riot, in rioting, and rioting would cause the Roman soldiers to come in and punish the people responsible for the riots. And so what this town clerk, who is partially responsible for keeping order, he steps up and he says, you better do this. We're gonna get, you're going to get us all in trouble. That's, it's not a question of um, the temple gods, is the Jews' God's right or the Christian, Christian God's right? This is a question of do you want problems from the Roman soldiers? That's the real issue that he's addressing here. And it says, and then he gives his defense. It says, seeing the, I'm at verse 36, seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. So what he's saying is there is, they have not done anything. They have not done anything towards our goddess. You can't prove that they've said anything bad about her, that they're talking her down, nothing. So then he goes on to say, if therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular, regular assembly, for we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Paul, having gone through the, 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 the same types of charges before, of being in the middle of riots, being beaten, having, being run out of cities, all of these things, he teaches us what we are supposed to do, but not just Paul, not just Paul, but also those around them. First of all, he says, don't stir it up anymore. Don't go in there. Secondly, he, tell, he, says, he, he says, you don't have to talk. There are times in our ministry where we are too quick to jump up and defend ourselves, thinking that that is the only way that we can get our point across. No, mm -mm. no. And, and then there's, there's one other thing I want to share with you, that in your ministry, you have to be confident that God is going to lead you into and out of whatever it is that, you, that he wants you to encounter. You know, as I was studying for this passage tonight, um, a psalm came to me. 
And it gives me great confidence because if you're, if you're standing for the gospel of Jesus, if you're spreading the gospel of Jesus, it seems like every day there's a new kind of hell breaking loose around you. And, and, and some days hell come at you from unexpected directions, and you, you, know, you get tired of being a punching bag. You get tired of, of, of taking it, and you want to fight back. You really do. And, if, and if, if your name happens to be Winfred Burns, you know, that's the way we were raised. You hit me, I hit you back. But then the Lord comes along and says, hold your peace. Just hold your peace. Don't say nothing. Don't do nothing. And, and in the meantime, your mind is just running because I could do this and I'll do that to them and I'm going to say this and I'm going to say that and I'm going to get them off me once and for all. And the Lord just merely says to you, hold your peace. Mm. You know, as I was, as I was sitting there, and there's a, there you know, a little something going on, been going on uh, around me where I really want to fight. I really want to, you know, do something. But the Lord keeps telling me, I didn't tell you to say that. And that's where being spirit-filled and spirit-controlled and yielding to the Spirit of God comes in. But sometimes that get old. That get old. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you want to slip something in. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me earlier today, and he reminded me of Psalm 46. Let me just read that to you real quick. He, 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 said, he said something to me. He says, he says, go read this real quick. And I, I went over and I looked at it, and it just took all the steam. It just took all the steam out of my temper. Like, can't take the starch out your shirt. You know what it says? It says, God is our refuge. 46.1. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way. Stop right there. You see, that's what he pointed out to me. Winfred, what are you scared of? Why are you allowing yourself to be troubled? Why, is your, why are you so disquieted? Why are you letting your peace be interrupted if I am your refuge and your strength? If I'm the place that you go to, in the middle of your riot with all hell is breaking loose. Verse 2 says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. And so, uh, just a little bit more. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. He says, no matter what's going on around you, when you place yourself in my presence, peace is restored because you're not fearing anymore, but instead you're walking in faith. Ooh, that's something right there. And that's what we have to do. We have to have so much confidence. Finish reading Psalm 46 on your own time. I'm, I'm running out of time right now. But... We have to place our faith and our trust in him during the midst of riotous times when all hell 
breaks loose, we as the servants of God can go into his presence to go into his, our secret place where he hides us, where he covers us, where he comforts us. Wow. That's what you do in the middle of the storm. And all while this storm is going on, you don't have to say a thing because it is someone else who God has assigned to speak in your situation. It's not always you. You don't always have to jump up. You don't always have to defend yourself. You don't always have to get the last word in because God's word is the word, and his word does not return to him void but accomplishes his purpose. Paul has already spoke a prophetic word saying where he's getting ready to go and how he's going to Jerusalem and then from Jerusalem that he has to go to Rome. Remember I told you that. Now, I need to stop right here because it's we're out of time. Uh, I wouldn't mind. You know what? Give me five minutes. Give me, give me five extra minutes tonight so I could set this up so we can go. Um, chapter 20. Um, after the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given much, them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater of Berea, the son of Pyrrhus from Berea, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, uh, Aristatius and Secundus and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy and the Asians, Titius, Trophimus, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of the unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days, two minutes. So what he does is he leaves the area, he goes north. He heads north, and remember I told you earlier that he's going to strengthen the churches, Philippian, the, the church at Philippi, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Berea, up in Macedonia. Then he's going to swing back down through Greece. So he's traveling from northern Greece to southern Greece. He gets, He's getting ready to... Um, what to say does here? Real quick. They decide to go back up north from the south to Macedonia to catch a boat to go to Syria. Now we know where Syria is, so he's going to he's going to sail around through the uh, Mediterranean to get to Syria uh, from there. But instead of of taking the boat at Troas, he takes one from Philippi and then goes to sails to Philippi picks up more passengers, and he moves on over um, to the sail, to, to sail toward um, Syria. It's important that we trace these journeys to see how he gets from one area to the other and how all of these things fit together. But more important than that, you see the concern that Paul has for the people. Paul is really a pastor of pastors, 
And so he's going through, and he's so concerned about his children, so concerned about the gospel that he's taking care of them. Why do I say that? You know, we have to be concerned for each other. We have to be concerned for the people that we are assigned to, uh, the people that we disciple. They're calling it mentoring now. But the people that God assigns to us, if we're really who we say we are, then we're showing them love, we're taking care of them, we're checking in on them, we're, we're doing the things that, the, that true apostles do. We're not just talking and walking around and showing up on Sunday morning with a word from the Lord, but all week long, because this is the community of God. This is, how we, this is what we're supposed to do as the family of God. Amen? We went through a lot tonight, but and I'm only, ooh, I'm only about three minutes over. That's great. Let's uh, have a word of prayer. And if you, while I'm praying, if you've got any questions, put them on the screen. For those of you who are listening on Global Drive, you can call me at 929-477-2304. 929-477-2304. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We say thank you. God, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for those who you surround us with. Sometimes, Father, we think that we're the only ones with any sense, that we're the only ones that are connected to you. And we have a know-it-all spirit. Father, we thank you for Paul's humility who shows us that he humbles himself and he listens to those around him and he does not go into that theater but instead he stays back because you have a plan. Tonight, God, as we, we come to you, we thank you for the plan that you have for our lives. Now teach us, oh God, to, to shut up when we need to shut up and to only say those things that you direct us to say when you tell us to say them. Strengthen us in the area of community, O oh God. Make us one with each other, even as we seek to be one with you. Father, you prayed. You prayed that we would be one just as you and Jesus were one. Now, Father, help us to enjoy this oneness in the body of Christ with our brothers and sisters. Father, the devil has gotten us so divided. It's gotten us so off into ourselves. And the strategy of divide and conquer seems to be working. And we've gotten to the point where we're not really concerned about one another because we're so concerned about me, myself, and I. Oh, God, we repent of that in the household of faith today. And ask that you would just put in us hearts of concern. Help us, O oh God, to take care of one another with the same love and compassion and diligence that you take care of us. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, y'all had a chance to put some questions up there. No questions? Going once, 
going twice and my phone's not ringing. Okay, so we will pick up in Chapter 20 next week. We praise God for you being out there tonight in, in the Bible study. We ask that your continued prayer for um, my wife and myself as we continue in this ministry. Uh, we just bless God for having the opportunity to meet with you every week, week in and week out. And we're in Acts chapter 20 now. A while ago, we were just starting. And I know some people are saying, boy, it's taking a long time. But if you've been following through the series, do you see how rich this book is? Do you see how God just unfolds it and how it fits into everything? And that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to get anybody excited. You won't get it, you won't you want me to excite you, get you excited. Then get in prayer and get in front of the Lord. That's that's how you get excited. Get, get connect yourself with him. He'll excite you all over the place. Hey, be blessed and have a wonderful, wonderful evening. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns, and you have been live with The Word on Wednesday. Bless you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.